This is Mason Alexander Park, and you are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast, everyone. I'm Christopher DeFilippis, and today I'm proud to present to you the second in our series of Season 1 Interview Redo Specials, featuring the interviews we've done with the cast and crew of Quantum Leap over the course of Season 1. Only a fraction of our Season 1 interviews actually aired here on the main podcast, with the majority of them uh, showing up on our YouTube channel. So um, we're rectifying that by going back through throughout the course of the hiatus to present to you some of the stuff you might not have heard. And today we are returning to Season 1, Episode 2, Atlantis, which found Ben as an astronaut on the space shuttle of the same name. And this time out, we are bringing you Match Chat with guest actor Jose Zuniga, who played Shuttle Commander Jim Reynolds in that episode, as well as encore presentations of our interviews with recurring guest star Susan Deal, who reprised her role as Beth Calavici from the classic series, and regular cast member Mason Alexander Park, who stars as Ian in the revival series. This one is like a trifecta because we have Susan to remind us what came before, Mason to tease us about everything to come, and Jose with boots on the ground watching everything unfold in real time. And believe me, he was cognizant of that and speaks to it in the interview. He was terrific. Also terrific, all of you. You listeners who continue to support us with special thanks to our producers, Harold Sullivan, Glenda Palma, Chris, a.k.a. Brackmang, Mike Covert, Jeff Kiska, Craig Riedler, Cosplay Dad, Charles Allen Gossard, and Morgan Feldon. We couldn't do it without you, gang. Some production notes. The QLP Book Club reconvenes next week to discuss the Quantum Leap novel Pulitzer, so if you've still not read it, Get busy. I also just completed an Oh Boy interview with producer Jeff Kiska, and Matt, Allison, and I just recorded a new Fangent, so plenty of bonus content to come for all of you patrons. Check it out at patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. Now, enough of the sales pitch. On with the show. Welcome to the Quantum Leap podcast. I'm uh, really excited to be bringing you the latest interview with a member of the cast of the new series, uh, Jose Zuniga. Jose, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Matt. It's a pleasure to join you. Uh, Jose's playing uh, astronaut Jim Reynolds in the latest episode, Atlantis. Uh, so we're going to be talking a little bit about that shortly. Um, but first, I I've got to say, um, I've been looking back over your resume you have had an amazing life and an amazing career. It's, it's huge. You, it's it's not even spanned that long. You just seem to have been in everything, um, which was is super daunting and impressive. Can can you tell us how you got involved in acting? Was this like a, a childhood dream that you just went straight into, or was there was uh, there a story along the way? No, uh, I wasn't born in the U.S., so mm -hmm. I, I I came here and I was a little kid, about eight. So early on in my life, I, you know, you go to movies, American films and European mm -hmm. films and just the the screen alone before the flicker of a movie started was pretty intoxicating. So maybe it started partially there. And then just kind of watching people like the Marx Brothers and, you know, little snippets of Brando, whoever, eventually led to just a, a ch uh, just a, an attempt at it after college. Not not anything I thought of at all. So it was like in my mid twenties, I just kind of gave a stab at it in New York, 
and just progress from there. Oddly enough, the first thing I did was uh, because they couldn't find the cast worldwide. So they kind of did a search and they gave a bunch of people a shot. And I kind of, I got in that one, which was in 92, a movie called Alive, uh, about a plane crash of some Uruguayans. And oddly enough, I was the only Latin actor in the cast. <laughs> so things have changed a lot. Yeah. It was just uh, like back and forth between cities, New York and L.A., just kind of bouncing around in projects, you know. It all added up somehow. Yeah, for something that you said you, you, you took a stab at, that um, seems to have led to, to a lot of things. Oh. Um, so well. can I ask you, you said this, this wasn't something that you um, – that you, you you started looking at until after college. Did you have a, a career mapped out that just not so much? You know, it was just a typical thing. Yeah, I was just uh, you know studying like liberal arts, history, things like that. And then just after that, I was kind of unsure what to do. I had a bunch of jobs in New York that were so dull, brilliantly dull. The tie, the suit, the subway train. You know that I said, "Oh God, I got to do something different." It was really more out of that, <laughs> which in itself is kind of fun, kind of a fun story. You know, I'm just like leafing through like groovy magazines in 1989 and 90. Like, how do I get out of this <laughs> kind of thing? So I took an acting class. But yeah, it was just uh, plays, you know, and then just it was just a, it was a little bit of an odd journey in the beginning. And then once you started to do it, you're just sort of hoping you catch on in some way. And then I just, I've sort of become just kind of a character. I just do different things, different roles, different guys. But, you know, it's tricky. They kind of get you pegged. So I can look a little mean sometimes, I've been told. So I can be that, that kind of individual. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, yeah. I always imagined I was a sort of a goofy New York dude. But it just doesn't happen the way you think. Mm -hmm. Nothing happens the way you think, oddly enough. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's have it. Because I, I, I haven't seen quite a lot of um, of what you've done because, it's, as I say, it's, it's a long resume. Have you been able to play a goofy New York dude? Or <laughs> I have indeed. Your... <laughs> I yeah. have indeed, many times. Uh, not lately. Lately, mm. I've, been, I've been more of the... Uh, of the high-end criminal or the high-end politician, and neither of which uh, I know anything about. But I've learned a few things. So. But obviously, working for you. <laughs> and is this your um, is it, this your first time as an astronaut? Yes. Oh wait, no, because I did the Expanse. No. The Expanse is a show on right. Amazon, and. Yes. Yes, so this is very interesting. So when we had our session for the suits, which are all authentic, except minus the weight, the actual weight of the suit would not be something we could work with. But, you know, we had to have a training session for this episode. And, you know, you get locked in with a real helmet, which can be very claustrophobic. So I was kind of told about that, and then we, we met, and we had a little session about that. But when I did The Expanse, which is a show we did in Canada, in 2019, I was in the fifth season of that show. That was same deal, but I really had a panic attack on that one because it's the same thing. This is like set 300 years in the future, but we had a spacesuit with a lock, an air channel, as well as a microphone. But then I got hoisted like 45 feet in the air for about eight hours. 
And just before we started to film, I had to ask like 70 people to please stop because I was having a full-on panic attack. It lasted about 35, no, 20 seconds. I had to just relax and say, no, this is not, uh, this is going to go away. Just breathe. So I got used to it. So second time I was an astronaut. Only this time. That's, that's a tough combination. It is. Being locked in and high up. That's, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it was. Uh, Impressive. So to answer your question, truthfully, I was an astronaut in the future and an astronaut in the past, since this is in, in the 80s. But I have not been an astronaut in the present. That's my next. So that's the next, that's that's the next right. one to aim for. That's the next <laughs> yes. project. Yes. But it's fascinating because everything was done to scale and everything was done accordingly as it was. So when we were in that little module, which is the exact replica of the ship, you realize how fragile and how, it, you know, it's almost like anybody could do it kind of, kind of feeling. And then you're just, you can, we all gave into that, to that sort of feeling of, well, okay, what are we doing? We, we could, this is what those guys went through. It was pretty fun. I, I really want to come back to that in a minute. I yeah. just want to maybe go back a little step and just ask it in terms of the lead up to the role. You obviously had the, the experience on the expanse. Was there much in the way of preparation or any kind of build up that you had? Or was, is this just you're a character actor, you, you show up and you're ready to put on the suit? Hmm. I actually wanted to really. I knew very little about the show other than, you know, it was around and it was a great hit and it was got a bunch of great actors in it. Scott, who I know, oddly enough, um, I just got excited about it, not knowing what it would be. But when they said astronaut, having done The Expanse, I knew that it was kind of better to get yourself in there mentally mm. because it's a different it's a different frame. It's a different frame. It's a different way of thinking. These obviously are military people or trained people in some way, mathematical people or something along those lines. So I wanted to have the right demeanor approach, you know, the right way of communicating, the right way to think, the right way to feel, modulating your breathing. I had all kinds of expectations and things I wanted to do, but there was no time. So the, the, the fitting with the actual suit I kind of try to pack in as much information as, as possible. And that was the approach. Yeah. It's like, so it was a, it's a total character actor job. It came up out of nowhere, but it was, it was, I think all of us are pretty excited to do it. And we were met with that excitement once we started like Martin Garrow, who's a really charming, smart, great guy. The cast, Deborah Pratt, Oh my God, she's amazing. I mean, I was very taken with the whole group and thought, wow, there's no wonder people love the show because they really respect the fans, you know, and they really love the show. So they were very happy to have the opportunity. So they wanted to make our experience. Uh, there was a, an astronaut there who was giving us advice. So it, it, short of not having make a, not making a film, we, we had as much preparation as you could expect. Considering, you know, it was like on the fly because shows have to move fast. They have to make the best of circumstances, even though they put a lot into the show. By the time we get to this stage where we're making episodes, we got to move pretty quickly. And, you know, you have to cut things and you have to be efficient. But, yeah, it, it got it was a, a good blend of 
job, let's go, and preparation. Yeah, I, I mean, I know how, how quick a turnaround these things have. I, I was really surprised when you just mentioned that you actually had an astronaut there. Yeah. Um, advising was that's that, that just blew me away that's uh, yeah that was amazing except i started to feel network. funny you know i mumble i kind of have a mumbling thing especially when we were, we were all a little bit like there were certain phrases we had of <laughs> docking the station uh the pay paid payload bay door that was the big one it was a running mm-hmm. joke with all of us it got very silly the payload bay door <laughs> you'll you'll know um and so we had to, I kept asking him, am I saying that right? Do you guys really say payload? Yes. He goes, yes, we say payload bay doors. Payload bay doors, ready to go. And I thought, oh, my God, that just sounds so silly. But, you know, it was that sort of stuff. <laughs> Got very fun in a way. Yeah, I guess with um, such a small cast for, for, for your portion of the episode, I mean, what, there's, there's three astronauts plus Addison. It's, yeah. it, it must have been quite a tight-knit group to suddenly be thrown into yeah. um, rather than a kind of a large ensemble. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you how you work with the other actors and Well, you know, yeah, that we got, we that. kind of bonded pretty quickly the three of us and we felt that Addison was uh you know, she's not with us really, but she's with us. And so we but we did all kind of form a little group there that's pretty tight. And what it did for us cuz we were visiting for the episode. We kind of became I don't know how to how to phrase this. This happens a lot to actors where you you join a show for a little bit of time and then you get very supportive of the show because the role is kind of adding to it. They're giving you stuff. Then you, you sort of want to be a part of it somehow. So I was plotting how to ask Deborah, like maybe we can have a reunion, <laughs> maybe another leap. I don't know. I didn't want to say that stuff. But in terms of all of us, we were definitely, con- we were, you know, we bonded in terms of just how tightly we had to work, the pressure of just being together with the suits and having to connect emotionally, but also like, oh, this is great. This is fun. Wouldn't it be great if we got to do something, you know what I mean, something else. So we, we were playing on that, that same routine that actors do, which is like, boy, I would love to be part of this. This is such a great group. We'd like to do it. But it was mostly because we were connecting. You know, we were having fun with each other and, when we would joke around and just relax about the suit and this and that, we brought it back into the scene. And then the more we did it, by the end of the first day, we were all a pretty tight-knit group of astronauts, which was great because uh, Carly and I have this father-son relationship, and we have to find our way into respecting each other, You know, mm-hmm. which I'll talk about later because the show does that really well, which is like, First of all, making me the commander, by the way, Commander Reynolds, little correction. Notice how I corrected you way after, very respectful correction. (laughs) Commander Reynolds. So, you know, it's that whole assumption that I know everything. And it's like, Mm. but yet it's me. Like, I don't think there's been a Latin astronaut. So the show does that so well. It just kind of plays with ethnicities and names and roles and just doesn't really call attention to anything. Just makes people who they are like you know Ben, same thing so that was well done because carly and i i have to give her her respect because she takes over guides us back you know while i'm out and then we just grow to respect each other so that there's subtle um elements to the script 
that give respect to just people in general. You know what I mean? Just good way to like bring cultures up. I, I love that about it. Yeah. Well, like you say, it's it's uh, it's a good show for that, and it, it and it always has been. Yeah, um, it's the way it gives those opportunities for representation. Exactly. But we did we did we did uh, find a way to connect all of us, partially because we were we were just uh, intimidated by the language of how do astronauts really talk, but it it, it resulted really it worked out it really worked out. I think it worked out. You know, it's hard to know. You never know. You know, you always go into any project just like not knowing you just do it try to connect mm. and especially when we were like watching you know we, we were looking out the windows okay so this star is moving okay the bay door is released and we have to kind of do the old <laughs> you're in space remember <laughs> yeah <laughs> this obviously isn't the first time you've worked with effects so you're yeah. not you're not new to this but um but how do you find that in terms of the ability to just get get in the zone i assume there was some some cg put in afterwards yeah um was, was there anti-gravity work as well and oh yes there was all, all that kind of we stuff? had it was a mix yeah. of some anti-gravity but mostly we had to play at that that air was well well trained on the expanse which is this kind of uh you know uh zero gravity which is, it's a tricky thing that like you have to know how to do it. It's just a, it's a, it's a subtle thing, but how, how to, how to get at that is, yeah, it, it, you have to lock into a certain, I, I kind of think a lot of scuba diving. You have to just give into the world you're in now and you just have to be there mm-hmm. and just breathe differently, move differently. And you sort of find yourself in your imagination connecting and then it gets technical and things like camera angles and close-ups and different shots, time of day, how you feel. And you have to learn how to play with all that. So you have to, again, go back into your imagination and how you connect with the other actors. That really is sort of the lifeline to that because it is hard. The CGI stuff is hard. It can be like, okay, lunch. And you just got to always stop this thing. And there's just a wall behind you. You know what I mean? Two minutes ago, you were like up in space. So it's kind of interesting. But it sounds like there was a lot more going on practically than CG from what you're saying. Yes. Just in terms of yes. a, a lot coming out of the performance and the camera. Yes, yes. So. Well, my, one of the, my favorite effects was the, uh, you know, when, when Ben looks up and sees himself in the mirror. Sees the, I, I love that, that effect. That was cool. Mm. And he had to do some, some floating it was very tricky, very nicely done how they had to merge some of our acting, play acting or uh, whatever you want to call that sort of work, and the actual effects, which were really, really nicely done. So it's, yeah, it's enjoyable, but also like a bit of a grind, but keeps you in your brain, keeps you in your, in, in your version of the story. You know what I mean? That's kind of the only way to do it, at least for me. I'd like to go back quickly to, to something that you said earlier on, because this always interests me when I'm speaking to a, a, a guest actor in the series. You're there in a leadership position, mm. and you have to put that that feeling of confidence in. But at the end of the day, you're just there for the one episode, right? Unless you return. Right. This is this is Raymond Lee's show, right? Is that a challenge for a performer to go in to a show and? act like you're the most important in the person in the room because oh you my are God. in control. <laughs> but also knowing that there's this established ensemble cast yeah. already. That's such a good question. 
I got to tell you. No, yes, that's difficult. But, you know, it only gets better the more you do it. Because uh, in the beginning, you just, you just, uh, just want to be a part of it somehow and right? you, you 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 feel excited so you want to contribute and then you have to you have to hope that the atmosphere is welcoming because it, it it isn't always welcoming sometimes you're just dismissed you know you're here to do that or sometimes you're killed off or it's a, a lot of things there's a lot of egos going on so you have to learn to read and feel out the situation, but mainly stay professional about it. But that takes time. It takes time to just kind of go through your hard knocks. Also have your successes, you know, but it's both. But definitely takes a lot of work to do that. It gets much easier. But And so at this point for this show, I just felt uh, excited to be a part of it. And I was made to feel very welcome. And the atmosphere is different now than it was, let's say, 20 years ago, where it just is a little much more inclusive. So it was very open to respecting the actors. So I felt great taking on that role. A little wistful at the end because I wish, you know, I enjoy it so much. But there's no rule. There's no room. You know what I mean? It's like story after different story after different story. But yeah, that, that to answer that is, it, it is difficult sometimes. And, you know, you have to, you have to, bear through some some stuff mainly just that you know you're only there for a little while and out you go but you 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 have to trust that you're building some kind of career and you're building some kind of reputation and just doing good work and i guess it's all such a crapshoot you know you could be right for a show and the show could take off or i did a pilot uh in 2010 that was great a cia comedy and it didn't go. And it was like the best thing it was, I could have ever hoped for. It was so fun. It was a great, great, great cast. John Goodman, it was hilarious. It just didn't happen. It was like a three-year buildup for this great show. And then, just, you know, things like that. And then other times you're just on something for a while. So, Is, is there anything else about the Quantum Leap experience that, that we've not covered? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe I mentioned it earlier, but they, like, Donald and especially Deborah and Martin, like they really want to, they really want to make this work, but not in this like overly aggressive way. They just want to like kind of almost be in tune with what people want, but at the same time, just let this version of it really organically come together and just really become like a family. But that's in the world of uh, network TV, which is pretty tricky. There's a lot of different opinions of how things have to be. So, like, they've got a great team for that. Martin's really good at that. He can make something gel in that world. So I think there's just so much uh, goodwill and desire on their part. That I wanted to talk about because I think it's – such a smart group and such a cool show. What a great idea, really. And I'm just a little bit, oh, man, I got to see them all now. I want to see them all. I want to see the ones from before and this one. So do you guys think there's going to be a reunion of Sam and Ben? That's all anyone's talking about. That's all, that's all we were talking about. I mean, 
Even having not yeah. even seen and the it, show, I thought, oh, wouldn't it be good if they brought those two guys together on our ship? Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. And <laughs> I don't it's, know. Um, you know, obviously, this this new series is going off in new directions, and yeah. um, you know, we we want to be focused on the now. And we want to be look. We want to be focused on on your story and, and the story that's going to come next week. Yeah. And the story that will come the week after that. So, um, yeah, I think it's uh, it's an interesting time for fandom at the moment. Yeah, experiencing that, but also just in the back of all our heads, what's what's the end game here? Are we going yeah. to see Sam again? Yeah, 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 exactly. Are you enjoying it? Are you finding the world? Are the things I'm saying yes. to you coming ringing true in some way? Can you feel it? Absolutely. I mean, you, yeah, you, you can definitely feel. Um, and we we spoke to Deborah a few months back. Um, She's great. She couldn't share that much, but you could definitely feel that. Like you say, that feeling of goodwill and that real desire to to give something to the fans that have been, have been yeah. patient. And like you say, it, it it is such a good idea that can go yeah can go anywhere. Yeah, it yeah, went yeah. anywhere for five years. Yeah, um, exactly. But I enjoyed our group. We 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 had a great time. We're, we're really we're we're all very really excited. We check in with each other, you know, just to see for for a, for a TV show where you sort of pop in. And you just kind of do something and you have to create this character, which, by the way, I didn't really talk about that enough. It, it was sort of it all hinged on my relationship with Carly. And it's really difficult to try to hit that that in such a set amount of time and in such controlled scenes. But that's what I was hoping for, just an emotional connection that can lead to a resolution that you believe in. You know what I mean? Decisions are made based on the relationships you're seeing. That's what we hope to do. Anyway, I, I got, I wanted to tell you that from before. Forgot. I was on another that's, note, that's... but I, not enough coffee. That's the <laughs> life's trick. You have to have a lot of coffee. Same here. It's, uh, <laughs> it's late for me. It's early for you. Oh, um, well. And you've, and you've, um, I, I think you were sort of implying you've kept in touch with the cast since. You've yeah, we, we you know, we check in with each other. Staying in touch with, with actors is, is very interesting. You want to, but a lot of <laughs> yes. times you don't want to be bothered or bother. So unless you're at the stage where you kind of want to hang out with your friends, because that's what you are. We kind of have like ad hoc fam- families, you know. You do a show, you have a little group you get really tight with, and you move on. So you're kind of both isolated and united with a slew of people. So we check in, but respectfully. But I think that this is, like I said before, it is special because we we all kind of care about each other. and We're going to definitely stay in touch. But more importantly, we kind of cared about this show, oddly enough. It's, you know, it's network shows you can imagine there's shows you're just like see you good luck yeah <laughs> this one's like no feel part of it you feel part of it even though we're just it's like we're all part every one of our storylines you know i think we're all connected to it ben's good they're such a great ray's such a great it's great actor good actors actually that's the other thing that's luck. yeah it's an amazing cast they've pulled yeah. together and it's so it's so good to hear that you you got that vibe from i think they're, they're eight day shoots at the moment yeah, so, I mean, what, you, yeah. you were there for a, about a week and yeah yeah it was like a um, full week and a half of space flight yes it was fun <laughs> it's kind of fun actually 
that kind of intensity is gonna gonna give you connections but uh yeah it's, yeah it's good to hear yeah yeah really the main thing is you know what you guys should know just how how uh like the commitment that that i felt from everybody and uh, that heartbeat that Deborah Pratt is, you know, that heartbeat in, in Martin, like the combo of Deborah and Martin, pretty tough to beat for a show. The rest is, you know, you got to get your right team, the right actors, the right, and they're all excellent. But you got to have those people that are driving it, and those two are. And there's, it's, it all plays so well, too, in terms of, art imitating life because Deborah was, you know, she was part of the original show and all this time. And now she's in this version of the show and Martin's coming in and he is so intelligent and so understands it so well. It's just really cool. It's very exciting. I can't stress that enough for them. Hopefully this um Captain Reynolds will benefit from all this <laughs> future space missions. Yes. It's an exciting time to be a fan as well. Yes, it is. I think that's, that's probably a, a perfect time to wrap up talking about Quantum Leap. Um, do you have any other upcoming projects that I you want to share with us that we can look forward to? You know, there's a there's a, a series I did for Netflix called Griselda, which is going to air next January or December. That I'm excited about, even though that's set in the 70s the Miami Columbia drug culture. So that's kind of nice. Yeah, that'll be fun. And playing another high high profile criminal? <laughs> yes, but it, a pretty fun one. Yeah. A pretty fun one. Okay. Um well there's a few other things, you know, there's the I kinda there's they're they're escaping me a little bit. Not many. That that one's the big one. And there's a few projects that I'm think i'll be doing in the next few months and I'm, until i get word i'm gotta keep those hopes in check but yeah good stuff you know keep our fingers crossed i appreciate that but i hope everyone that that enjoyed your performance in uh, in atlantis will tune into griselda to <laughs> to follow on with you yeah just so. to see wow this that's the same guy that kind of thing that alone <laughs> would be fun <laughs> but yeah no i had i so loved being reynolds we all did so thanks for the opportunity to talk to you about it. Really, it was it was it's cool, really cool, great fun. Who's who? Uh, and gang, congrats on on this podcast. And I love. I'm gonna now. I'm a fan of you guys, so I'm gonna stay listening. I want to know what other people you interview. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll be um, we're we're on every week. Um, with uh, some some discussion and dissection, so you'll hear a, a review of the episode. Excellent, and, uh, and yeah, um, we're getting more interviews lined up all the time. Excellent, good stuff. I'll be tuning in. Thank you so much. Of course, um, man. That was that was fantastic. Yep. So we'll have lots more interviews and features coming up. Uh, I've been Matt Dale for the Quantum Leap Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel or follow us at quantumleappodcast.com to get those exclusive features and interviews and check out quantumleapinfo.net for all the latest info on the show. Welcome back to the Quantum Leap Podcast, Susan. Thank you so much. Yeah, so... 
I, it's, it's so surreal to have you back here with us because in my mind, you've been involved with like the most significant moments in quantum leap history in the 21st century. Uh, when, when I first spoke to you anyway, you, uh, you were telling us about, uh, the, well, we were telling you about the discovery of the lost ending of the original series. And, uh, now you're reprising your role as Beth in the continuation series. So it's just like, if there's stuff happening with quantum leap that's new, you seem to be somehow in the middle of it. So. <laughs> yeah, I know it's quite a quite a thrill. I mean, I, I just so loved being a part of, of the show and working with Dean and Scott. Um, that was just surreal. And what an honor um, and what a sad day it was when Dean passed. Um, mm. Just that, yeah. But, but what a, what an amazing actor, talent, human being. I mean, the two of them, both of them had so much heart. And I feel like that really came through so much in the show. They just gave of themselves as actors. And you could really, I mean, both of them very emotional actors, which makes you really care about them. So um, as characters, but also just being able to work with them is such a, a joy and just an honor to see how they work. And, um, you know, Dean was just so subtle and and real and, Every time I see that scene with us, I, I still cry. <laughs> I still do. And it's almost, it's a very strange thing to, um, yeah, to be part of that and to still be moved by it. I, of course, have the old, the original Georgia song. That's the one that always gets me. And I'm so, yeah. but I, I have, you know, I have like a clip of, of it that I, you know, I'm, I'm working on reels and things like that and i'm just like i'm gonna have to put that on my imdb because mm. it's just, it's just too darn good yeah. it's beautiful yeah. yeah absolutely and i mean it, it's funny uh last weekend after we got done recording the podcast we had been talking about quantum leap all day and um i was just like oh what do i do i sat down and i watched mia and this was before we even knew that we were going to be speaking to you today. But I, I was just a mess at the end, of course, watching George. I was just so uh, that, you know, that connection that you had with Sam and Al and sort of that integral part of the DNA of the old show that you became um, made Beth a very important character to so many fans. And we're also thrilled to see you returning to the role here in the new quantum leap. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved with the new series? Well, they just, um, they contacted me and said, um, would, would you like to audition for the for part of Beth? Audition. Well, I think the, the way that, she had been written was, you know, if you're doing the time correctly, that she would maybe be 70 because of when our episode was the, the time period that our episode was supposed to be shot in. Um, and so I think that maybe they were thinking she would be a lot older. Um, but of course, you know, I'm, I'm 60 and I have graying hair and, um, you know, I, I, I've, plenty of wrinkles and things like that. So I, I, I'm not one of the Hollywood people who's had a lot of work done. So I actually look my age. So uh, maybe that was, maybe they had thought originally that they might need to have someone who's older. Um, but I was so, so thrilled when, when um, I got to the opportunity, knowing that I was going to get to 
play the part again, the role again. And um, yeah, so uh, that's how it happened. I auditioned for it. And I was in Iceland at the time. So I had to put myself on tape in Iceland because my um, my boyfriend um, lives in Iceland. So I spent a lot of time there. And so um, I had to put myself on tape there. And, you know, he, of course, has his accent. So he's reading Ernie's part. And, uh, you know, with his, <laughs> I thought, oh, well, I hope it's going to be okay. Because, uh, yeah. And so then once they cast me, I, they, my manager called me from LA at, at like, I don't know, it must've been one in the morning and said, Oh yeah, they need you here tomorrow. <laughs> so, oh, wow. So I, you know, got, got a plane, got on and, and basically, uh, was got to get, got to set the not next morning and, and, and I was exhausted <laughs> and I had to, you know, have to do the COVID test and, and do wardrobe and everything like that. Um, but, uh, and I just went on set and <laughs> got to meet Ernie, who, uh, what, what a wonderful man and actor he was. What, what that he to me is like acting royalty. So I, I was a little nervous to be working with him because he's just, you know, he's just a great actor and a really lovely human being. So that was uh, quite a treat. That's awesome. Like, was, was there um, any talk about this being a recurring kind of role or was this just a, one and done or do you know anything about I did do another episode so oh. there you know then and so I think it's kind of open-ended and um um I don't yeah I think I don't know yeah you must find out from this episode on Monday that uh Al and my daughter is a part of the storyline mm-hmm. um so she I think is going to be in several episodes. So, you know, I think she's going to have to talk to her mother and, you know, <laughs> at some point again, but yeah, we have a, we have something that happens in the, the next week's episode, the following week episode. Um, and she's quite a fiery independent, uh, young woman who we have different ideas and opinions about what we should do with them. Well, I can't give out too much of the plot, but <laughs> this is enticing. <laughs> <laughs> it's very exciting it's very exciting i do know that i shot one other episode unless they unless for some reason they they change things and take me out of it um yeah i do know that i am in one other episode at least and um you know i would love to you know go back and do it i think that you know my character and ernie's character were like contemporaries we could yeah you know, certainly they could use an older sage woman to do <laughs> something <laughs> is this your pitch? Like if they're watching, like, Hey, <laughs> maybe recurring. <laughs> I probably have all kinds of secrets that Al told me and, uh, and maybe, maybe even Scott Bakula's character. So they, they might, you know, they might need to get some information from me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> True. Well, relating to the scene that we got to see in the second episode, it was the, the scene with you and Ernie in the driveway. And um, I was very happy that we got to see Beth Calavici again, not sipping tea by the window surrounded by her calla lilies, but working under the hood of a muscle car. Like what was that all about? <laughs> well, I, I don't know if they were able to keep in the dialogue about what I said about that, but um, you know, that's Al's car. And you know, in the show, he hasn't, it hasn't been that long since he's passed away. 
kind of like in real life. And I think that um, she she goes and kind of talks to him when she's working on the car. I think that, that now that, and I don't know if that's still in the scene. It probably is not, but My. I think that um, it's a way to feel close to him. And, and um, you know, he taught her a lot of things. And I think I remember in the original episode, remember I had a flat tire and I was trying to change it myself. And then um, Sam comes yeah. over and, and helps me. And so I, I think that, she learned how to do these things and she taught her daughters how to do that thing. She did those things as well. And uh, so going to the car helps her feel close to Al because I think it's still a huge loss for her, him being gone. And I think that, uh, yeah, you know, he, they, they changed the whole course of her history by, um, by that scene, knowing that he somehow, feeling his presence and so they and then seeing the last episode where you realize that they they're still married they and they had four daughters and um yeah yeah uh, that's that's amazing i'm so sorry yeah that that uh that little bit was cut out that character bit i hope it comes out so in maybe great. like uh, behind the scenes extended scenes or something yeah. because my god i'm welling up now just thinking about her talking about alan that capacity just watching mia <laughs> just like mm-hmm. it would have been yeah. uh oh producers yeah, I, I, we know you're I, listening put that back in <laughs> i i hope that i hope that's okay that i told that i don't know if um how that works but <laughs> when you were doing that one scene for that first episode that you appeared in, were you aware of the bigger story that was going on for, for the, the arc of the season and how Beth and Al's daughter would be involved? Did that inform the way that you played the, the character or approached the role? Well, you know, the thing about um, these scripts is for myself, I, I got the one script. And I did refer to my daughter in the script, um, which I, I'm, I'm sure they're probably still keeping that in where he's needs to find her. Um, so that was all the information that I, that I had. And I didn't, you know, until I did the, the other episode, then I, then I, then I realized that she has more involvement. Um, but it, sometimes as actors, especially guest actors, you know, you just get the script and you're like, Oh, okay. This is what's happening now. And you don't really know the whole big picture of how it's going to unfold. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, it's also so nice to see that Don and Deborah are still involved and kind of overseeing the project since mm-hmm. it was their baby. And, and she's still playing, um, Ziggy, the voice of Ziggy, which is, I think, very cool. Um, yeah. It, it's interesting. You, you mentioned a couple of times, obviously, the sort of the, the new plot line that, that Beth has been thrust into and, and what you picked up from the script. I'm interested from a character point of view, it, it's been 53 years. You've, you've played Beth twice as a young woman in her 20s, and suddenly she's 53 years older. All of this, this has gone past, regardless of the actual plot line. How did you, how did you approach to, how did you approach aging up a character like that? Well, I mean, I myself have aged over the past 30 years um gosh yes that's how long it's been right uh, or more um so basically for me i always go back to the love of al and um 
you know, when you watch the show and you watch him and, and Sam and all they go through and, and their rapport. And I think that I just, in, from watching the show, you know their relationship. And I, of course, watched and loved the show. So you feel like you know them. And so it's, um, it wasn't that difficult to just think about uh, he, he and I having had this whole full life and, and that he's, you know, this dynamic, quirky, fiery, wonderful, poetic person, the way that he was. And so it wasn't such a reach because I think, and I think fans feel this too with any series, if they've watched, you know, the whole series, you do, they're like a part of your life. So it wasn't that difficult to just imagine, oh, wow, I've gotten to be with Al this whole time and we raised a family and, and, you know, he was always there. He was probably always still fiddling around with things and telling me some things and then telling me that. But I, I mean, I would imagine that I have a lot more secrets about things than, uh, than other people. And I think that he would confide in me, especially once, um, you know, I couldn't find Sam. I think that was a big loss for him. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining as, a, as a person, as a human being, even though he's a, you know, a character, but I, to me, it's just, it's, I just tap into the feelings of the character and, um, it wasn't, it's not that difficult to imagine. It's, you know, we're always imagining as actors. We have to just create things and believe what we're doing in the scene at the time. And so, uh, it's not that difficult to just create a life of what it would have been like to, you know, be with him and, and deem the way he was. It's just, just so, so lovely. And, um, it, you know, I could, I could imagine what he, what he would have been like to be in, in a partnership with. Um, so you just create it. I'm sure it's, it's also, you have the luxury of having the history with, with the characters to draw upon as well. So I was just, since you had mentioned that, that last scene where, you know, that Beth and Al discussing Sam being lost. And I don't know if you know this because the last time we spoke to you, we had just done the special about Allison finding the negatives of the scene that that was um supposedly the last one that was never shot and then shortly thereafter i guess about a year later we actually found the footage of that and uh someone released it online yeah it was hmm? a footage, it was a footage of, of of a rehearsal of us rehearsing it okay. okay i was just wondering if you had heard any talk of them incorporating that into the new series or if you can if if you know and if you can tell us i understand if you can't no, I don't, I don't know anything about, about that. Um, I just remember that day of shooting and then they, some, you know, some, somebody decided that they weren't going to do that. Um, maybe because they were leaving it open ended, maybe they wanted more mystery. Um, yeah, so we didn't, we didn't end up, uh, actually shooting it. We just had that, that rehearsal that was recorded. Somebody recorded it. <laughs> So that was a rehearsal because it sure looked, it sure looked finished. I mean, for a rehearsal, the blocking was perfect. You guys, you guys nailed it. I I think everybody thought that was a final take. Well, you know, it's been so long. I, it it is possible that I, for some reason I believe, well, yeah, it could have been a take. And then, then that was, then they just said, okay, that's a wrap or something. (laughs) (laughs) It's the beautiful television 
especially as actors, you know, you don't know if you're going to end up on the cutting room floor for one reason or another. So I'm, I'm thrilled that I'm still in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think one of the one of the mysteries, because that uh, final scene was not included uh, in Mirror Image, was did Al still remember the project? Was uh, he still involved with Sam's life? All of this stuff. And I think, um, I mean, I know now with the new series, with you being in it, it's cool to know that that wasn't the case, that uh, he was still involved with Sam's life and that Beth knows about this stuff. It seemed pretty implied in what you were speaking about that or your lines in the episode that Beth knows about the project, knows about Sam, knows about all of this stuff. I mean, and I would assume, yeah, I mean, I think in any marriage partnership, you know, you confide in each other. It's, you know, the person that you trust most. And I I think that, of course, those two characters, Al and Sam, really, you know, they really, that was such a great partnership and they really trusted each other. So, um, yeah, I just feel like that would be, inevitable that uh, that Al would confide in her and um, you know she's not like this uh, tough uh, she is she is who she is and loves him dearly but also in her own right might have um, something something to offer <laughs> to, mm-hmm. team to what's going on so we'll see sure. it's funny to make that distinction Allison because because we've seen that scene, we found the negatives, we saw the scene. In our minds, Beth was always incorporated into the history after Sam changed Alan Beth's future. But this is the first time canonically that we see that Beth is still very much part of the whole Quantum Leap universe. Al didn't just go off somewhere and have a whole different life because he stayed with his first wife. She's just incorporated now into the lore and into the project. And yeah, it's neat. Now we actually have confirmation of that. I never made the distinction because in my mind, it's a done deal. Of course, Beth is there. Of course, Beth is there. Why isn't she there? So it's, yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, were there any other like little like character bits? Because I'm sorry, I'm eating this up now. The fact that they they took out that little bit where you talk about the car and and about Al. Were there any like other little character beats that they put in? Because that to me is just that's what Quantum Leap's about. Yeah, I mean, no, and I really I did love that part of the scene um, because you're right that that you know the heart of those characters. I think that in that scene with the car where she was just talking about that, to me, that that's kind of like how this might've been something that Al would have said or done. Like I'm going to talk to my car because whatever. Um, so I, 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 I felt like that was a really cool little thing. Um, yeah. And I know that there are NDAs and things like that, that might be preventing you as well. So I don't want to get you in trouble. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, where I, I know we've been touching specifically on on that one scene. Are there um, any aspects of Beth's return that we haven't touched upon or like little tidbits that you can give us for foreshadowing um, that we have to look forward to? We're just thrilled that she's going to be back at all. Well, I just think that she she knows a lot about the original project and that, you know, there just may be some some different things that um, Al might have kept. (laughs) Interesting. Maybe not. Very well teased. (laughs) 
I think Beth has a, a, a like a, a little safe in the house that's got like the old style hand link and, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the old project ID, maybe. I don't know. It'd be pretty <laughs> neat to see. Perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps there's a whole, you know, warehouse of things. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I do I do like the fact that um, uh, that they that they brought the character back and that you know, that she may have some information. And um, I also, I did, I did like working with Ernie. It did feel like we had a relationship, even though he of course didn't play the original magic in the show, but um, I, I felt there was a history there. And mm-hmm. of course there would be because Al and I would have been married all this time. And so I would be, you know, um, meeting and knowing different people that were involved. I'm sure. Cause I, I can imagine you know, Al's character, like having people over and, you know, um, just, I don't know, being very inclusive and, um, also being very appreciative of the fact that we're still together and including me on everything, even if I'm, you know, no longer, um, working as a nurse or, or, mm-hmm. but just, I, I feel like, and raising four daughters, I feel like we probably, he had a strong feminist viewpoint, and um, so I feel like that's that's probably a great a great thing. <laughs> You've um, you, you already mentioned the the kind of the, the casting and production element was quite quite rushed. You had to dash dash over there and, and film it, but you had to have that history with magic. Did you have much time with Ernie in advance to prep, or was it right on set? <laughs> Do it. I did not, but you know, what happens is you get on set and you're like, and now we're shooting it and we're doing your close up and, you know, and it's just like, but then throughout the day, you have time while they're, you know, turning around, turning the camera around or where they're working on the lights or, you know, sound or whatever. And so I did get to spend time um, talking to him. But it was the kind of thing from the moment I met him, I just felt like, Oh, I felt a kinship with him. Now it also could be because I've seen him in in <laughs> many shows and so in movies and things. And so you know, he has this natural essence of who he is, which is of a very, you know, kind, bright, um, family oriented person. He just has that. And he's he's also a person who is just welcoming and, you know, kind of like just took me under his wing um, and was just, so I immediately just felt at home with him and I had like, it was like, Oh, I feel like I've known him a very long time. (laughs) It felt very natural. And um, yeah, he's just a, he's a really lovely human being. So that was, that was quite a treat to get to work with him and have him be the person that I'm, I'm acting with on that first day of shooting. I think it was great to have the reintroduction of Beth um, through the other legacy character from the original series. It'd be interesting if we could get a story about how Al and Magic met and how they became so close, how Magic, because technically Magic was just on a leap. Al was sort of there tangentially. Um, Al would have had to have, you know, sought him out, I think. And that that's a whole different story. Um when you got to reprise the role again, it, did you get to work with any of the other cast? Have you have you had scenes with uh, with any of the any of the main people back at the project? No, I did not. Um, 
but there there was a there was there was somebody shooting scenes with um magic and now I, I can't remember her name. It wasn't the two the the two lead characters, the now Al and Sam, who are lovely by the way. I, I from watching them I was oh they're terrific. Um there wasn't Nan Rissoli. Nan Rissoli. Oh, maybe so. Yes. Well, um, and, and so she was just there. We were just, you know, waiting for the lights or the, the camera. And she was lovely. Yes, because they were going around. She and Magic were going around doing something. Um, that that, that yeah, sounds that like her been character. Nan yeah, we, we know she's in in the same episode. Uh, Ernie and Nanrissa are walking around a very similar looking neighborhood. So we figure they're probably both being filmed at around about the same time. Yes, yes. And she was quite welcoming and lovely. And um, I thought, oh, this is great. You know, I, I, I just I love I love the, 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 that group of the, the new people. I think that they chose very well. Um, and um, I'm, you know, being a big fan of the show, I'm, I'm excited to see how, how it unfolds, what happens next. And uh, yeah. But I love I love Ernie being like the, you know, in part of it kind of overseeing things and um he just has this great paternal way about him uh and, and very strong and just solid and so i feel like he's a great umbrella for all the rest of the characters who are a little younger and maybe more emotional <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's terrific to hear. I'm glad that it was such a good experience. I'm glad that we get to see more Beth, that she's kind of built into um, not just the legacy, but the future of Quantum Leap. And uh, you've been so generous with your time. We're so excited to see the character unfold. Thank you so much for coming back to the podcast, Susan, and telling oh, us about so, it. You're so, so welcome. I, I mean, I love the show and I love that you guys have a podcast and you're keeping it, keeping the old show alive. And now that you're supporting the new show because it's such a great premise. I mean, it's such a great premise and especially wanting to, you know, alter history for the better. It just, you know, it's got a really positive message. So I'm, I'm, I'm really appreciative of you guys keeping, keeping it alive. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. You're welcome. You take care. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast, Nathan. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, I'd like to start with just a little bit of background to help uh, Quantum Leap fans get to know you since everybody is so new. Um, I've done some research. I see you have a real solid background in stage work, including uh, last year's production of Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which I loved watching your performances on Instagram from Times Square. That was great. And uh, I can see that you also have a growing film and TV resume, including Netflix's Cowboy Bebop. Again, I love that. And a breakout role as Desire in a little show no one's ever heard of called Sandman. And <laughs> now that, uh, you know, you, you're doing all this stuff. Can you tell us how you got here? How did you get started acting? And um, what was what was the road that led to Quantum Leap? Yeah, I mean, I uh, I started acting when I was young-ish. Um, I, I always loved film and television just as a medium. And when I was really, really little, I would um, probably around like five or six, I would only watch... Uh, the, the like special features to films that I was a big fan of, like Jurassic Park and, uh, and Jaws and all that kind of, like a lot of Spielbergian stuff. 
um, on, on just a loop, I would sit and I would watch, you know, like two or three hours of the, of all the behind the scenes footage that were on the VHSs, um, because I was so enthralled with the process of filmmaking. Um, not so much as an actor, not so much from an acting standpoint, but just, uh, at the sheer artistic talent that's required of all the different departments, you know, to create something, especially in the big kind of fantasy and sci-fi world. Um, so I always thought that I was going to be like Stan Winston. I wanted to do uh, like animatronics and creature design in film and television. And uh, I was just really, really into that, that side of the design departments that involved in big sci-fi stuff. Um, and then that kind of, you know, went away when I found other hobbies and other things at school and, um, it just was something that I like held on to as a, like, Oh, I would love to do, you know, a big Hollywood thing. Um, and then my parents just kind of noticed that I had a knack for performance, I guess, in, in life. Um, so they, they put me in like an acting camp when I was, uh, seven years old and, and that was kind of the spark for me. I, I went to this small acting camp, uh, for you know, like a, a week or two at a time. And I would do it for a few summers in a row. Um, and the funny thing was it was also themed. It was kind of like, they definitely were working around some sort of copyright things with <laughs> love franchises by being like, and this is our Harry Potter camp, or this is our, you know, uh, Lord of the Rings camp. And you would create as a, as a group, um, all of the kids would sort of come together in d- the different design departments and acting departments and learn how to make a play. And so you would write it with, you know, your, your counselor and then they would, you would all costume it together and build props and then perform it in this big, theater it's called the magic theater in san antonio texas and um so that was like my first experience performing and then it wasn't until i was 13 years old that i um got paid to act i did a regional theater of of, uh, production of peter pan and uh and that's when i first met other actors that weren't famous by any means that sort of made uh, an entire life uh, as an actor, uh, but weren't huge household names. And I don't think I had an understanding that that was possible, that it was more than a hobby unless you were like, Jim Carrey, you know, until then. <laughs> so I, it was a really eye-opening experience for me because I, I was suddenly faced with all of these really remarkably talented individuals who had families and had lives back, you know, in New York or wherever they were based. Um, and would just sort of travel around and do a couple of months in, in a musical somewhere and then go back home. And it was, it was kind of very exciting to me. So I moved to Los Angeles and, uh, with my mom and we, uh, just kind of, uh, I guess, started auditioning and went to a performing arts school out here. And then I, uh, I started working in film and television a little bit um, with Nickelodeon shows like iCarly. And uh, and then I went and I studied theater in college and uh, booked the Broadway national tour production of, of Hedwig and the Angry Inch um, right out of school and traveled with that for about a year and a half. Um, and that was, you know, sort of the, I think the, the big thing for me, it was a role that I had always wanted to play and, um, and, and it sort of was my introduction, I guess, into the, into the real, real professional world of performing. Um, and then, you know, I just, I was a theater actor for a very long time. Uh, and it wasn't until 
recently that I started doing a lot of film and television again. The pandemic was a big, strange equalizer, and um, I have no idea how it happened, but <laughs> I, it was it, it turned out to be the you know the best time for me because <laughs> um, you know, I like in the in the first year Cowboy Bebop was shooting in New Zealand, and we were like the the one of the only shows in production where some of the only employed people in our industry, it was very, you know, strange. Um, so I've gotten very lucky. I've been very fortunate and, uh, all of those shows just kind of built up on, on each other, bebop to Sandman to, you know, a couple other projects and films that haven't happened or come out yet. Um, and then, and then quantum just sort of came across and I was like, Oh, I remember that show. And, um, I, I didn't really, I didn't think of it as a thing that like I was going to happen. You know, I, Sandman was something I chased. It was a role that I knew I was right for. And that I really wanted, and with quantum, it was a whole new group of individuals. So nobody really had anything to base, uh, an expectation off of besides the original, but it's, it was a continuation of that story. So every single character was additive you know we were all no one was replacing um an actor or an archetype it was just kind of building on the lore in the world that the original had created so um i had no yeah uh, idea or expectation of what the direction was going to be and what they were going to do with it but i fell in love with the creative team and we had a, a really wonderful time shooting the pilot and uh yeah i feel i feel very fortunate and I'm very excited for people to start seeing it soon. Yeah. Well, you had mentioned that um, you remembered the show. Were you an actual fan of the original show? Did you have a lot of basis in, in the original? I think I missed the boat on when it would have been, uh, well, maybe not necessarily on when it would have been on TV, but when it would have been on my radar. Um, so it wasn't something that I really watched every episode of it was kind of it was the kind of thing that like i saw a few episodes of it growing up with my family or it was on tv when we were you know flipping channels and so i saw these sort of like individualized stories that i vaguely remember and i knew what the concept of the show was and of course knew the name because it's uh, it has stood the test of time and um you know people still uh, love the show and still adore the original so it's it's always kind of been there in the background as like an, a, a property I was aware of, but never did a proper dive into. And so when when the role came about, I was kind of like, okay, I guess I'll, I'll now it's time, a good time to go back and watch this <laughs> show. So the character description for Ian says that they were introverted and more comfortable interacting with computers than interacting with people, but. What we've seen so far, um, Ian is completely different from that. I think you yeah. kind of blew that out of the water. Uh, how much, how much of Mason do you bring to Ian? And did you have a discussion with the producers or with the showrunners to make the character more dynamic as we see it on, on the show? I think that it was sort of an organic evolution. Um, you know, when you get an audition for something, they, they always, they, they base these character descriptions. Sometimes it's not the creatives that write them. A lot of times it's the casting office that they read a script and they kind of, you know, build their own idea of what the text means and what, you know, they should be looking for as casting directors. So in this case, it's very possible that that was written by our casting director at the time. 
and wasn't written by, you know, Brian or, or, or Steven or, or Martin. So we, um, that sort of flew out the window. I think day one, we, uh, <laughs> I had the, like a zoom meeting and sort of read parts of the scripts from it. And, uh, I think they realized very quickly that, uh, my version of Ian could take some of the, the geeky person behind the computer stuff and, and, and allow that to exist, but also make them a little more dynamic and relatable and real and less of like this. I am, you know, a, a non-binary person that's kind of insular and only can be friends with computers. Cause I think that that, that is a trope that is sort of played out. There's very little non-binary representation in film and television, but the, you know, our first experience with non-binary um, identities on TV for most people is Taylor Mason and, and billions. And that description could apply to both of those characters. Um, so I, I think that it's really interesting to see how like one archetype from just the only amount of representation that exists can sort of pervade into, into all these different, um, people's minds when they think, Oh, like that's the kind of character I want to write. And they go like, the only frame of reference I have is that one character from, you know, from this other TV show. So I think there was an element of that that still existed. And then everyone met me and was like, Oh yeah, no, this makes way more sense. This should be, we should kind of just naturally follow the progression of where um, this Ian exists. And, and I think it's helpful not only for me, but for the show as a whole, because it, it, we've leaned heavily into this kind of familial dynamic that a lot of shows of this type don't necessarily have from the jump. I think a lot of them develop it over time. Um, it's sort of this ragamuffin, you know, group individuals that work together, but uh, in our version, like we've been working together for five years on this program. So it's nice to see from the jump that there is five years of history and that they were not learning to like each other at this moment in time. Like everyone already has a relationship to one another. Um, and, and yeah, so that, that was, that was a nice deviation from the character description. That's also a deviation from the history of quantum leap because usually we got very little back at the project. And um, one thing that comes across um, right away in, in the pilot is that family dynamic that you were discussing. But also um, as Ian, you're filling a role at the project that was only explored through the character of Gushy mm -hmm. uh, very, very little in, in the main series. So um you're interacting with the project staff, but you're also the main conduit to Ziggy. So mm -hmm. first of all, I have to ask because, you know, fans and listeners are dying to know, will we have to wait long before we get to see you interact, interact with Ziggy? That's a great question. I feel like there are, there are a lot of, a lot of sweet moments, but um, I think in the way that people are anticipating, I, uh, it, I can't say when, or how it will happen, but I'm sure it's going to happen because yeah, you can't have Ziggy and not really dive into just how sassy and fun that, <laughs> that creation. <laughs> um, uh, so I would, I would say that the, we'll, we'll all just hold our breath and, and wait and see. All right. Now I'm, my, my next question, you might not be able to answer it, but what was it like working with Deborah as she reprised the role? Um, well, as of now, you know, Deborah has just been on set pretty much almost every day as, uh, in a producerial context. So we've, 
we've really just gotten to know each other and have her present um, as as kind of the curator for the whole experience. You know, Deborah is really remarkably giving and really wonderful to have involved so heavily, um, especially, you know, considering how, how unbelievably important she was to the original and is to our version. So it's really nice that there's this continuation of her involvement in the show. Um, but I, I, in terms of her specifically as Ziggy, that, that I cannot discuss yet. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. That means there's something. <laughs> Who knows? How can we expect to see that dynamic evolve as the series progresses? What other key relationships will help define Ian? I think it's really nice to watch the way that the the story that happens within the leap kind of has that ripple effect on the people that are in the present and vice versa, which is something that the original didn't have as many opportunities to uh, explore or expand on since we never really spent any time at the headquarters. So all of the information was kind of being fed through Al. And in our version, an element of that still exists with Caitlin um, as Addison, you know, uh, still disseminating information to uh, Raymond as Ben. But there is a, a nice amount of time in each episode that's spent developing the characters and the relationships in the present. Um, and it's really cool to see, for me as an actor, I've loved watching... Or, or interacting with, you know, Raymond very minimally, but with, with Caitlin and Enrissa and Ernie to kind of develop the individualized quirks of each person back at the headquarters, because like it really does deeply impact the way that we tell the story in each episode and the way that we sort of reveal the mystery or the way that we dive into whatever that time period is. Each person brings their own uh, experience to that. And it's, it's, I'm very grateful that they are all such giving, wonderful actors because it's it's so much fun to kind of just play with them and, and bring enough of ourselves to the roles that I think that that also helps strengthen the relationships between everybody. Because, you know, like I, I don't know if in earlier drafts of this, had they not known all of us and not known how we interact, if there would be as much of, a, you know, of a the historical connection between like Ben and I as best friends or Caitlin and I as like unbelievably close individuals, um, mm -hmm. Addison. And, and a lot of that came from just the way that we interacted in real life. You know, the way that like we were just razzing on each other day one and like truly all, all really felt like family from the beginning. And so um, I think the natural just inclination to write, to our voices and right to our actual interactions and relationship is, has bled so wonderfully into the series that um, all of the relationships have been strengthened because of it. The, the pilot felt very tailored to all of you um, because mm. you guys had a chance to do it twice. So you really had a chance to, to hone in on these characters and, and make it your own thing and, and closer yeah. to each other. Yeah, because, you know, uh, when you get a script, like you pretty much just you do what the script is right and uh and and there are moments of being able to deviate from that but it is very very rare with the time constraints of filming an episode of television that you can come in and just radically change everything so the repilot gave us an opportunity to to really reevaluate how we wanted to reveal uh certain aspects of the story and also how we wanted to establish everyone's relationship 
um, early on. Whereas I feel like if we would have continued with the original draft, the original pilot and sort of built on that, it might have taken a, a few more episodes to fully understand how like deeply in involved everybody was in each other's personal lives. Whereas like starting with that engagement party, it's so clear and so immediate that like these people don't just see each other at work. We are, we get together afterwards and we, we are present for each other's big moments and we are deeply supportive and, and deeply loving of one another. So um, the repilot really allowed us to, uh, show that from like the get-go as opposed to making audiences kind of wait for those relationships to kick in, which I find to be so much more fun and enjoyable as an audience member. It was very much organic and mm -hmm. uh, it came across, it came across. Yeah. I, I, you mentioned earlier about sort of moving away from that, uh, the, the, tr the trope of the insular non-binary. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it's fantastic to see non-binary representation in a, in a character in, in uh, network television what we've seen so far i mean we've we've seen the pilot i read that original script that um has now shifted up to episode six the non-binary element doesn't seem to have, have really come to the fore yet is that is that something that might be explored with ian more in future episodes i mean i think it depends on the way that we continue to you know craft this the stories in this series i'm, I'm sure there are so many opportunities with Quantum Leap to introduce audiences to concepts and, and ideas that, um, you know, in the original were like, looking back, you'd be like, oh, my God, of course, you know, they did. But it's in incredible to see what they were able to accomplish in the time that they were writing those episodes in. And I think that the same can be said of our version, um, because there are always different uh, people that are that need to be introduced to greater audiences in order to help build empathy with you know the the masses and i think that ian's inclusion in the show isn't intentionally for that purpose i think it was the way that our cast uh, was brought together is just to represent the way that the world kind of you know just looks and exists now it that group of people is exactly the kinds of groups of people that I see in every, you know, situation. I mean, there might be some age differences and, and like other things, which are kind of fun to play with in a work dynamic. But like, for the most part, I don't know many people in my experience that only have a very insular view of the world and only see the same, like, you know, the kind of person all the time. Like everyone is constantly being introduced to, <laughs> to people of different races and ethnicities and gender identities. And, um, I, I, uh, I don't think that at this moment in time, Ian's function in the story is to deliver some kind of diatribe on what it feels like or what it means to be non-binary because it's not necessarily what the focus of the show is. I think that Ian's inclusion in the world is the radical move for them. Um, and it's almost more powerful not to try to, you know, do anything with that because the normalization of our existence is the most important thing. I mean, like I, I'm so tired of getting scripts that revolve around a coming out story for, uh, you know, a queer individual 
and that kind of being it or revolve around their relationship to their parents being, you know, strained or being positive. It's like this reward system, you know, that make other people feel good for (laughs) like being empathetic to this person. And it's almost more powerful just to see that person in the room and get to know them and be friends with them and their dialogue, not necessarily have it to have anything to do with their identity, um, which is what they've set up so far. And I know that, you know, there will come a time, there will come an episode where I'm sure we will dive into what it means to be trans or what it means to be non-binary, because how could you not? Um, but, uh, as of now, that is, you know, not, uh, coming into play because we have so much story and so many other things to, to sort of work through, um, which is really fun and makes me feel very good about an, uh, as an actor, because I just feel like an actor for once, you know, as, as opposed to similar to Sandman, like I felt like an actor who got to show up to work and play a part and play a character instead of having to, you know, go through the the bells and whistles of being like, and now we have to, you know, introduce our audience to this concept and make them feel (laughs) comfortable with this kind of individual. And you're just like, or, or we could all just show up to work and put on clothes and and, and deliver (laughs) lives that have to do with the story. And and once it has to do with the story, it's going to be wonderful and well worth, you know, uh, the payoff and the wait. Um, So I'm, I'm excited to eventually uh, get to a point where we get to talk about it, but for now it's so great not to have to. That's terrific. Now, I mean, you had mentioned um, getting dressed. Uh, one of the things that we see that uh, Ian holds in common with uh, Al is those fabulous outfits. So yeah. carrying through on that, that part of the show. Suit. That pink suit. <laughs> so good. Yeah, there are, there are some great ones. Great looks. <laughs> did you coordinate with the costume designer to nail down Ian's look or did they come at you and say, hey, this is what I got? <laughs> It's always, I feel like it's always a blend of both. I'm very hands-on when it comes to costuming. I think that it's one of the most important aspects of character building for, you know, in my, um, process. And so I really like to be able to be there from the start and sort of build the skin of the individual, the exoskeleton, because, you know, so much of clothing is, is external representation of how an individual sees themselves, um, or how they want to be seen. So it's always fun to think about, you know, like what would this person wear? How would, how would that affect their day to day? And what does their closet look like? So we built a closet for Ian where we just mm-hmm. like tried on hundreds of things and sort of very slowly, like tried to, to figure out what are things that Ian would actually have? What would they wear? Um, and so a mix of it is balancing that with what, you know, a network thinks that <laughs> uh, a, a late twenties something, you know, programmer might wear. So it's like, it's always a million cooks in the kitchen and isn't always, you know, the easiest of processes, but between me and the designer, we are having a blast kind of just throwing a bunch of things at the wall and seeing what sticks. Um, but that pink suit is awesome. I think that now we're hitting the stride. I feel like episode, you know, five or six is right where I'm starting to be like, yep, this is where, this is what Ian feel like wears, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and before then there are so many fun things and there's, there will be many after that, you know, are, are definitely pops beyond what, <laughs> <laughs> what this person might be. It's very Al adjacent, you know, he, he works some crazy stuff <laughs> in, in the best of ways. 
Uh, we can't wait to see you in the control room holding an old school hand link. And uh, we, we know that uh, your time is limited. So um, are there any aspects of Ian that we haven't touched upon or of the story or the show that we haven't touched upon that you'd like to explore or any tidbits that you want to give away to eager fans? No, you know, I, it's it's hard when you're in the beginning of a of a thing. It's yeah, there's so little <laughs> that can be said. <laughs> but I hope that people really really enjoy the first episode and um, can go along, you know, for the long haul, go along with the ride. Because I, as someone who has a lot of experience now in just the last few years of adapting popular IP, um, I find the aversion to things continuing or things being reimagined into other mediums to be very shocking as a fan of stuff. Because when I was, you know, I, I still am a massive fan of a lot of the things that I was a fan of when I was a kid and, and a fan of newer, newer things that, you know, are, are, I don't understand the fear of having more of that thing because to me, it never ever would impact the original or my experience with, seeing, you know, Quantum Leap or seeing Cowboy Bebop or reading Lord of the Rings, you know, for the first time and the toxicity, uh, uh, the, in, in certain fandoms around like people of color and queer people kind of being included in those worlds has been so disheartening and shocking. Um, considering we're in, you know, 2022 and I'm watching every TV show that's on right now in the fantasy and sci-fi space sort of grapple with the same like headlines and same conversations. We did it with Sandman. They're doing it to Lord of the Rings. They're going to do it to Quantum Leap. They're already doing it, you know, I'm sure to Quantum Leap. Um, and it's, it just makes me sad because like the, you know, these, these shows are about humanity and about empathy. Um, and this one in particular is about learning how, uh, through walking through other people's shoes. Um, it, it, the entire concept of quantum leap, the original is built around the concept of empathy and kindness. Um, and so I'm really happy that we're going to continue that tradition. I think the world really needs it now. Um, I think that more optimistic shows like that should exist and more shows showing <laughs> the diversity of the human experience, um, are, are, should be deeply welcomed, but to anyone who is afraid of this new version um, or afraid of new versions of anything, I, I would just say it doesn't, it, it should in no way impact um, your experience with, with this thing that you loved and with the original, you know, even if you don't like something or you don't like a character or a storyline, or you don't like the show at all, like that's okay. Then, you know, you will always have quantum leap. Like you will always have the first quantum leap and that's so amazing. and so cool. Um, and, uh, and so maybe just have fun and enjoy, uh, the fact that there's, there's more of it <laughs> and, uh, and, and that would be yeah my best advice for anyone that wants to leap into it. Cause yeah, leaping in all of this with kind of a fresh perspective and, 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 you know, this release of the desire for something to a hundred percent be the thing that you need it to be. I think will be very helpful in everybody's ability to enjoy um, new adaptations of everything moving forward. Uh, you know, because like, yeah, we should, we should be encouraging more fun and creativity with things that we uh, enjoy and especially including uh, a, a more wide diverse range of voices being involved in those properties. 
Wonderfully put. Well, thank you so much for being an integral part of carrying on the legacy of the show that we all love. And thank you so much for appearing on our show. Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm, I, I'm very, very excited for y'all to, uh, <laughs> to, to watch more episodes and sort of dive into it all. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.